The Naked Brand with your host, Mike Leon. Welcome to The Naked Brand. Money, the almighty dollar. There's been movies about it. There's been songs written about it. We love for it. For the love of money, we live for it. We betray for it. We do a lot of things for money. But money has changed. It's not just the physical stuff you hold in your hand. It's not just the, the, the coins that you collect when you're kids. It's blockchain. It's NFTs, which I'm now officially too old to really understand what it is or why I should even care about it. Money is different. And I like difference. And I like talking about the, the story behind it because ultimately that connects back to this thing called brand. And who better to talk to all that amazing stuff with then Ricardo McRae, who, by the way, for anybody keeping score, was a very early guest on this podcast talking about brand storytelling. So it all comes back full circle. Ricardo, welcome back. Thank you so much, Mike. It's a pleasure to be back. It's been way too long. Glad to be here. Absolutely. It is, it is good to uh, riff with you again and good to geek out again. Um, so I, uh, you know, it's customary on this show to ask people to tell their stories and uh, even though you were a returning guest, you have such an awesome story. I would love for you to tell it. And anybody who's listening to both podcasts, they can compare and contrast how, how much is similar. <laughs> how much it has changed since then. <laughs> uh, my, my story, my story, hmm. Caribbean born, grew up in Trinidad, moved to Canada, lived in Oshawa, Windsor, Toronto. Detroit, back to Toronto, and studied fine art, painting, drawing, sculpture, had a branding business for about 15 years with my wife and I, and we built brands and did projects and things all over the world. In 2017, switched into financial services, of all things. And once I started learning more about money, I, uh, like a good nerd, went down the rabbit hole and <laughs> educated myself, got a license opened up an agency and now I'm in financial services, helping families and people with money and how to grow it, build it, save it, learn about it, all of it. And on occasion, I do a podcast with my guy, Mike. So <laughs> Love it. Love it. Oh, it's so good to talk to you again. Uh, so let me, let me ask you, what might either be a great question on my head or a really horrible question, and you can tell me which one it is, but mm -hmm. I feel like when we talk about the brand of money, for me, like, you know, I grew up, you know, East European Jewish kid, you know, grandparents saying, you got to make a living, you got to save right. money, you got to make money. So it was this very tangible, almost tactile thing. And, and all, to be revered, respected, and, and a little bit feared, that was what I grew up with as the brand of money. What is it now? Like, how has that changed? It's, it's, it's all of that and more. It's the brand of money is very personal. So I like to start with, you know, even when I'm sitting with clients to say, you know, tell me about your parents, your family, and what you guys did. Did you feel happy saving money? Or did you feel happy spending money? Were you savers? Were you, did you talk about money or was it, that is adult business. Do not speak to me about it. We will handle it and you shall never know. One day you will inherit the kingdom. I don't know. Like it's it's so different for everyone. So understanding your personal story with money really dictates 
the brand that it has for you because some people are like money's great money's this it's made out of paper just keep it working and you know they they do what they do and other people are like money's tight money's hard i have to work hard for it and both are really true so it comes down to your experience with money and where you want to go how comfortable are you with it what do you want to do how much do you how much is enough right right how much how much how much money do you need to be like okay i'm good well, let's talk about that for a sec, because, you know, when I think about like some of the new, I guess if we can call them like new advances in money, like looking at blockchain. Yeah, yeah. the next NFT, iteration of this. Yeah, the next iteration, the next generation, has money become gamified? And is that driving the conversation a little bit more around how we look at money? No, money's always been a game. Always. It's whether it's a shell or rekeeping cows or we are have shekels or pounds or dollars it's always a game that's the whole that's that's the whole thing it's think of monopoly right like it's it's a game (laughs) and it's understanding that the game is called double my money right if i have bitcoin everybody's how much do you make when did it grow how much do you have like it's about doubling the money and you have savings it's like it's about doubling that money and the speed with which you can do that the way you uh, you build wealth, you, you cannot, and people will push back on this. You cannot build significant wealth by working, physically, working. It's it's uh, all the people that we know that are super wealthy, whether it's the Kobe's or the Shacks or Jay Z. They made a lot of money doing their thing, bouncing a ball, playing some music, doing whatever they did. But when you look at how they built the massive amounts of their wealth, it was through investing in business and doubling their money. Now, when you say that, because like, you know, earlier you were saying that the brand of money is, is, is almost, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? So it's almost based on the person's story. But then, you know, you're also saying too that like, it's the game, right? So to to be involved with money in some way does that mean you're kind of playing the same game regardless of who you are or does that change a bit well everybody's playing the game they just don't know they're in a game right <laughs> right like, <laughs> the game's on right <laughs> from the time you're born you're you're in the game it starts with a social security or a social insurance number you're playing the game on team canada that's the game. like you're in right <laughs> that social insurance number tells you which team you're on and that's why they have borders and lines and governments and all these things. They're protecting the people within the court and everybody's playing the game and everybody's paying taxes. The government makes money one way. Taxes and fees, some fees. It's another tax, different word. That's the only way they make money. So when you pay your taxes, when you go to work, and they take 20, 30, 40, 54% of your check, depending on how much money you make, it's going to the government. Before you get your paycheck, they take some of it. It's a game. So the key is, how do you play taxes? How do you uh, defend yourself against taxes? Are you opening a business? Are you doing these things? Or you just going to go there and pay the taxes and keep moving. If you don't think that that's a game, it's called keep my money, (laughs) right? Keep my money, double my money, or... If you don't know the rules, you will be out there just going, take my taxes. And they will do what they need to do. It's, it's nothing wrong with taxes. It's just 
it's a game. You have to understand the more you keep and use, the better off you and your family and your loved ones are in your life. So, I mean, I guess like all games, you know, we have games of choice, right? Like, you know, I like Wordle. You know, I, I, I can't stand Scrabble. I know I know right. that might alienate right. me, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> So is, is it kind of the same with money? Because like I, you know, my father-in-law loves stocks. Like he, like he, he really enjoys stocks. I love real estate. I love that. I love that notion. Right. So, you know, if, if to use the analogy of playing the game, is it like you, you pick the game and you pick weapon, pick your avatar, pick the level, you're going to be in real avatar, estate, yeah. you're going to be in stocks, you, you know, what is it yeah. that, that excites you? And totally. it is, uh, yeah, pick something like, Understand that it's a game and understand it should be fun. You like real estate. So you're like, oh, that's going to be my thing. I'll have, you know, a real estate suit on and I'm going to go out here and you're interested in it. You're going to learn more about it. You're going to buy and sell and hold and rent and invest so in, and play in that game. Case, then, I got to be honest. Like, you know, I want to educate myself more on, on blockchain and, and NFTs and all that stuff. But I, I kind yeah. of feel like I did when I first walked into the Apple store for the first time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do. Like, like, you know, so like, am I supposed to be here? Like, is somebody gonna look at me and be like, dude, you're not cool enough to be in here? Is, is there that perception? Is, is that actually a reality? Like, that yeah. stuff is a young person's game, or, or how what's the story around that? It's it's evolution, right? Right, uh, it is well, let, all we have to do is look back a little bit. Let's look, look, let's turn the clock back, maybe. You know, 80 years, 60 years. The only thing we were dealing with in North America within the game of money was cash. If you wanted money, you had to go to the bank, you had to line up. Bank was open from 11 to 3. And if you spend all your money at 4 o'clock, let's see, you got to wait till tomorrow. There's, there's no weekends, right? There was no digital anything. It was like you got that cash, you put it in your pocket, you took out what you needed, and put it, it was physical. You had the paper notes and coins. Right around the 60s, they invented credit because they wanted to have money circulate. When money moves, people make money, especially the government. Every time the money exchanges hands, the government gets a little piece of it. If I buy something from you, there's going to be taxes. Where does that tax go? The government. They want us to exchange things, goods, property, NFTs, it doesn't matter what it is. They want a little bit of it. So they want people to do trade, which is why businesses get a lot of tax breaks. So because businesses create momentum in the economy. So they invent credit in the 60s or so. All of a sudden, it's the first credit card. It was made out of paper. Imagine a credit card made out of paper with a number on it. You had to use that. You go to the store and buy something. It was only available at a few stores, and then it became plastic. And then they started digitizing money, and now we have debit, now we have online banking, and now we can tap our phones or your Apple Watch or whatever your favorite device is. You can buy things at Costco with your watch. And you're exchanging ones and zeros. Right. It's digital. It's no different than an NFT. It's just it's not popular yet. Well, it's popular, but it's not mainstream. It's not on your phone. It's not on your Apple Watch. It's not there yet. So... The NFTs and the crypto and these types of things are literally the next iteration of digitizing money so that we completely get rid of paper, we completely get rid of borders, we completely get rid of international. When you change money between one country to the next, oh, well, they want their 2 
Thank you very much. <laughs> so if I buy a product somewhere else, this is how the governments make money. So when they have things like a blockchain that allows you to go from one end of the planet to the other with no one else in between, people get nervous about it because they can't tax it as yet. And as soon as they tax it, it's going to, you know, it'll be right on your watch and your phone. And that'll just be another thing that you can use to, as currency. So when that happens and when it becomes more mainstream, is, is that when the target market's going to start opening up a little bit and it's going to be more than just young people? Or am I even wrong in that? Like, is it more than just young people now? No, it's, listen, it's, young people, it, it's, if you look at social media, you'll think it's all young people. But there are people out there with millions and billions of dollars putting it into these products and because they can afford to. They're the ones with the big money, right? The young people are excited. They're going to jump from Snapchat to TikTok to, you know, whatever is next. And, you know, I might be the whole geezer sitting there on Instagram and Facebook or, <laughs> or on my sending messages on my, uh, what do you even call that? The, the uh, MySpace. I'm still on MySpace sending messages. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't do that. Do you still have your Do you still have your Palm Pilot that you're taking? I send it from my BlackBerry on my <laughs> on my MySpace page, and it's uh... <laughs> you and Justin. Nobody's responding. I've been waiting. I think I think I'm losing friends. Fair, but yeah, fair. it's an evolution. It's it is it will become more and more mainstream. Uh, it's practically impossible not to in my opinion but uh you know how much and what you do to get into that market is has to do with your personal comfort level and your willingness to risk uh whatever you put in you have to be willing to lose all of it right right just like with any other investment you don't buy more house than you can afford you're not buying a 200 million dollar home and you're like okay that's 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 not going to be good you have a number that you stay within that comfort. Okay, we can do this. If things go south, I can manage the two, three, five, ten mortgages, whatever your number is, and you play your game accordingly. Same principle applies to crypto. You put in what you can afford and manage based on your life and your budget. You know, it's good to know because I think, like, you know, I'm I'm intrigued, and I'm I'm historically a very late adopter to this type of stuff, but I'm I'm intrigued enough to to talk about it, but. I, so let, let's switch gears for a sec because I want to I want to go down this road a little bit deeper around storytelling and money. So with that, I'm going to tell you a very short story, and 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 I want to get your your take on this. So, you know, nine year old Mike gets a bank account. Actually, probably it was eleven year old Mike. Yeah, little and Mike has his first account. Little little <laughs> little Mike has a bank account. So I'm I'm starting to put stuff in the bank account. I got my little bank book. Bank books. This is that's this how old is. I am, right? And and I, I got a bank book. It was, it was cool. It's like right, right up there with your blackberry. <laughs> we maybe we saw each other at the bank and didn't even realize it. <laughs> so I, I, I have my bank book. And I remember that was a very early lesson for me in watching money grow. And fast forward to when I started setting up RSPs for the first time and working with a financial advisor. And I remember the advisor said, listen, this is great. You know, you're watching your money grow. You're starting to diversify that a little bit. I think we should get an RSP loan. And I remember when they said that, I was terrified. And the reason why I was terrified was because I always thought that money was one of those things that you kind of built in a very linear way. You know, you put some in, your little bank book updates, you, work get, it, put it in the you get a little more. Yeah. It's like Lego, right? You keep building up and up and up. Yeah. And this to me was 
honestly, it shook me a lot because it made me think, wait a minute, I've been building this up. Now somebody wants me to build it, tear it down and inherit more debt. And he explained it to me and he took me aside and he's like, no, no, that's not that case. It's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be good. And it is fine. and It is good. But I had a real mental barrier around it. To me, the brand of money wasn't about, to me, taking on debt was bad. Right. Building money for myself was good. Right. Am I unique in that? Or, or no. is that something that a lot of people face? Wildly common. It's, it's very, very pervasive, that, that thinking. Uh, you know, the, the popular narratives are like, work hard for your money. It's not... <laughs> Keep, keep rent getting more debt. Debt is bad. Pay the debt off. And there are lots of narratives that are out there on money, and I will challenge people to, to question them, uh, to, you know, if you're curious about it, you know, go to, I think a good website is Investopedia. Just sign up for it. Go to the Financial Times and sign up. They'll send you mail every day, and they'll send you a bunch of stuff. You won't know what any of it is, but it's okay. That, the key is, when you get this email and they say something about stocks and bonds and derivatives, and you're like, okay. First thing you're going to do is copy that word. You're going to go to Investopedia. You're going to paste it in, and it'll tell you what a derivative is. Oh, cool. And you're like, okay, it's this, it's that. And you get another word, and you'll slowly begin to build up your financial language. And you, it'll start to make more sense. Then you'll start to see, you'll learn about uh, interest rates. You'll learn about debt. What's good debt? What's bad debt? How much should you have? You know, how much do you pay off? Do you borrow money to invest? Oh, wow. I understand. I remember when I first heard that, just like you, I was like, what are you talking about? How can I take on debt to make money? Bad idea. Absolutely not. But once you understand interest rates, credit rating, and if you have a good credit rating, you can borrow money. Let's let's call it a thousand bucks. You take a thousand bucks from me, you want to invest it. You say, Ricardo, can you give me a thousand bucks? I'm like, sure. But my fee is going to be $100, right? And you're like, but I need that money back in two years. You're like, okay, I can give you back 1100 bucks in two years. And you, I give you the 1000 bucks. You're borrowing money from me. Interest, 100 bucks. Now you're going to take that money and you're going to buy a property. Nowhere in Canada because it's not the right price. But you find a magical unicorn house for $1,000 <laughs> and you buy that house. You could buy a Lego house for 1000 A box of Lego is 100 bucks. This is going to be. So you buy this Lego house. <laughs> And the house appreciates in value just because the market is good, blah, blah, blah. So you buy that house in a house every 12 months, that house is going to appreciate by 20%, 25%, which is what it's doing right now in Toronto. So at the end of 12 months, that $1,000 home is going to be worth $1,250, 25%. So now you've made 250 bucks. You owe me hundred bucks plus that thousand. So you could take that money out, pay me back the 1100 and you're up 250 bucks. Zero. You used a zero of your dollars to make that happen. I'm happy. I got my hundred bucks. You're happy. You got 150 bucks and you have the house. So you leveraged somebody else's money in order to grow an asset. Now you have something that's going to continue to grow. And that's a super, super four-year-old explanation of borrowing money to invest and it's the same thing your advisor is telling you to do with your rsp i love it i wish i had you with me when when that whole conversation went down <laughs> like I, I needed lego level what's the lego what what's, what's, the, what's the lego story but you know what 
it's everything you're saying makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because like even now, like, you know, I, I I did take out the loan and I've since made other other investments in order to kind of grow my my portfolio, my family's portfolio. But there's always a side of me every time I do it that I feel like I'm going on that roller coaster, you know? And psychologically, because you know, brands are, as you know, like so much psychology goes into brand building, right? So are we as you're having these conversations with people and, and you're not trying to change their minds, but trying to just expand their thinking, is there a psychological barrier that, that you battle to try and kind of get past? All the time. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the only thing you have to battle. It's like the math is the math. If it, right. if it were as simple as follow the math, it'll make sense. Everybody would do it. But the fact is 98% of people are not doing it. Why? Emotions, feelings, their thoughts, their impressions. So that is that is the number one thing. It's my job is half therapy, half financial advice. So like see sometimes. Because I always want to understand where what is your money story? Where are you coming from and where are you trying to go? Some clients come to me sitting with a client and she goes, you know what? I want to save a hundred grand this year. I'm like, beautiful, let's do it. So when she first sat down with me a few years ago, she was saving maybe five grand a year. And you know, her business has grown and she's done some more stuff. So as her sort of money thermometer grows, the numbers change. It doesn't matter if it's 100,000 or 1,000. It really doesn't matter. I know everybody says, oh, it makes a difference. I'm like, listen, you can't get to 100 grand without passing 1,000. Impossible. You've got to save $1. you got to save 1,000. So wherever you at, that's your next level. If you have zero saved, here's the first goal. Let's save 1,000 bucks. The habit of doing that is more important than the amount of money that you're saving. It's like someone telling me, let's imagine I'm overweight. I'm not, I'm super fit. You can't hear me. This got a ripway abs. I do not. He I is. I'm off, just gonna right? verify that. He is. <laughs> He's ver- I'm verified. I'm verified by my verifying that. <laughs> so I might have a dad bod, right? Could lose a couple pounds. Now I'm going to tell you two different scenarios that I'm going to go through. You tell me which one makes the most sense. I'm going to get a personal trainer after I lose the weight, after I figure out what's going on, then I'll go to the gym and then I'll get a personal trainer and then it'll be okay. Or with my dad bod, donut eating self, I can hire a personal trainer long before I'm ready, before I have a gym membership, before I know what's going on or nutrition or how much water I should drink. Get that person and say, okay. I'm going to hand you the reins for six to 12 months and you get me in shape, show me what to do, and then I'll take it from there. Which one do you think is going to be successful? <laughs> which one is the right one or which one would I do? <laughs> so they're both right. The question is, which one's faster? You know, the second right? one, but the first, as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I would do. I'd be like, I want to lose the weight first and then hire a trainer. I want to look good. It's, it's, I, I use that example because I say it to they're like, oh, I'll, I'll talk to you, Ricardo, when I have money. I'll talk to you, Ricardo, when I save more. I'll talk to you after I clean up your credit. And I'm like, listen, how about you just talk to me now? Like, what are you going to tell me that's going to surprise me? This is all I do. I've seen people spend $600 a month on dog food that's organic because their dog has to eat that money. And I've seen people spend $1,000 a month on hair. And I've seen people spend $400 a month on cocoa butter. And it's just like... None of it surprises me. Everybody has a thing. Everybody. I promise you, you got a thing, man. 
everybody's got a thing where you're just like, you will just throw money behind that. You know, <laughs> my son has a Lego thing. He's on me every, he goes, dad, we got to get this Lego. And I'm like, no, you got to do more chores. He goes, listen, I will do my chores for three days, but I need this $150 Lego set. I'm like, no, 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 no. He goes, they're going to sell out. You got to buy it, please. So <laughs> Your son's everybody has, can I hire him? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, he you can you can have him for a weekend. He's like he'll come back with some Lego. But it's it's this idea of you have to understand your own story. You have to understand yeah. your own beliefs about it. And the ego and those stories uh, are the biggest things that once you put those things down, the sky's the limit. The minute you get a personal trainer, all of a sudden you are fitter than you've ever been. The weight will drop off, like things start to change because there's somebody who knows what to do going, okay, step life, step left, step right, drink two more gallons of water, have one donut, not to do this. And then all of a sudden you start to get those results. When you get those results, that's you're learning by doing. Yeah. You can't learn about money in a book. It's you have to do it. You want to learn about crypto? Take a thousand bucks, put it, buy some crypto. You yeah. learn, you can learn today. <laughs> right you'll figure it out you lose some you'll get some you'll, you'll see the market go up and down you drop by 50 percent over a month you'll understand your risk tolerance in real terms yeah. and that is how you learn about money you've got to get in the game i love it i do and it's but you know it's funny as we talk about this i still think about oh yeah i'm, I'm in scenario one but no it should be like <laughs> you're right it should be scenario two totally yeah so my last subject which I which I've I've saved for the last because I can't wait to get your oh, thought boy. on this. Money oh. and love. Oh, here we go. You oh, should have said I... this first. <laughs> oh, come on. I was warming you. It's a whole separate podcast, love oh, and money. Oh, this oh, is so love, good. Love I don't know where this is going, but I know this is gonna be good. <laughs> well, okay, you 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 and I are both married guys. We both have families, and and you know, lucky for me, I was I was able to learn a lot from my in-laws and the way that they kind of did things together. And because, you know, my, my family was a little, a little dysfunctional, you know, divorced parents and, and money was a big issue for them. Right. And, you know, right. over time, they had separate accounts. They did all this sort of stuff. So when when my wife and I started getting together and we moved in together, I had real anxiety over like, OK, money mm -hmm. is now going to enter the picture in a bigger way. What do we do? And. We figured it out and it works for us and we have a good system and, and I'm happy to say that I think we're both happy with it. But, you know, money is such a stressor when it comes to love. And I just feel like that's a, a push and pull that in some ways is never going to fully go away. So you say you spend half your time doing therapy. Let me draw on that half right now. What's the what's the answer, Ricardo? <laughs> Mike, sit, sit back in the chair. We're going to have a little chat. All right, we're going to have a sip of water. There we go. <laughs> Can I lie on the couch? <laughs> so so I, you're on the couch. You're on the money couch. So I have come to understand that money is, is so significant and pervasive in everyone's life. Everyone's life. That if you don't understand it, that that you have a relationship with money, it's malleable. It can change. You can grow. You can learn. It's not fixed. It can be adjusted, right? If you don't understand that and you're in a relationship with someone and they have a different sort of temperature that they like the water, right? 
you like the water this temperature, they like the water that temperature, there's going to be a problem. You're both going to be turning dials on the jacuzzi, going like, why is it too cold? Why is it too hot? And all of us, like things are going to go awry. So having that money conversation in relationships, critical. I have sat with people on many occasions, and it's you'd be shocked at how common this is. We sit in a room, three of us on here, and we're having the talk, and I'm like, okay, and I'm going through money. I'm like, how much do you spend on cat food? How much do you do this? When you go to the grocery store, what's the average bill? I'm like, I'm in there. How much do you make? What's going on here? Do you have any other sources of income? I'm like, I'm digging for all, I want all the info. What stocks do you have? What bonds? How much debt? How many credit cards? What's the balance? What's the credit limit? I'm in there. I got all the details. <laughs> and the number of times one partner is looking at the other going, what? What? You got a $40,000 credit card? What? <laughs> What do you mean you have another bank account with what it's and it goes both ways, right? Like it's so they haven't had that money conversation and how they do money is different for everyone. Some people have separate accounts. You take care of the mortgage. I'll take care of the hydro, the kids, the, the car lease or what, like they'll split things. There's no right way or wrong way to do it. Right. As long as you're comfortable and things are moving, it's okay. But how you, you have to have a money conversation. You've got to get real with it. You've got to just take a deep breath. And I remember when my wife and I did this the first time, it was like, we met and like went on one date, decided to get married and like moved in in a month, like super fast. So we were just like, okay, so you're living in my house now. All right. All right. <laughs> She's like, okay, let's talk about this money thing. And I'm like, every hair in my body goes like, Aah! right? Like who wants, this is vulnerable. Politics, intimacy, religion. <laughs> guaranteed to have a difference of opinion the minute you go in, in one of those zones. So it's, do people feel good saving money? And how much is enough? Like, what is that number for your comfort level? Like, you should ask yourself these questions so you know. It's like, if I have a bank balance of $10,000 at a minimum, it doesn't go below that. Am I comfortable? Does it need to be 60000 Does it need to have that plus investments, plus insurance, plus some crypto? Like, I don't know. Everybody is different. Some people are happy at 100 bucks. They're like, listen, it's positive at the end of the month. Woohoo, winning. <laughs> Everyone is different. So it's not like it's right or wrong. You have to look at this. What lifestyle do I want? Who is impacted by these choices? When I, when I had kids, I know it, it completely shifted every choice I made from that point on in my life. Every client I took on, they were like, oh, let's have a meeting. And talk. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. Are we going to do the business? I don't make money talking. <laughs> right? Like I make money when we do business. I don't want to talk because I'm going to talk to somebody who wants to do business. Like it, 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 it tightens. I don't have time. He's waking up at four o'clock. Like let's go. So having the other people depending on you for certain things changes the way you, you start to look and engage with money, but absolutely money and love are intricately linked. And it's the number two reason for divorce is money. Wow. So if What's number you, one? infidelity. Oh, what if infidelity is caused by money? Isn't that number one as well? Oh. <laughs> I, 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 listen, <laughs> it's, there's not enough money. Like, like these, it, 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 it's, it's when you start to, you know, I'm talking to clients that have, they're on their second marriage, they're on their third marriage, and here's an ex-wife and this, and we have kids, and she has kids, and he has kids from different marriages, and we try to create a money plan with these are half of her kids are mine and I'm taking care of them, but 
I got my kids with somebody else and I want my money to go to them and not to her kids. How do you have that conversation with your partner? How much yeah. money? Like it, it starts to get real. You start to deal with parents who are aging and whose house are they going to live in? Who are they going to stay with? They start to lose their mind and they're yelling at you and you're just my kid. I'm like, listen, I'm feeding you. Like calm down. <laughs> like so egos and it, like all of this starts to come up. So it comes up to like there's a sense of independence and autonomy with money. There's a sense of security that comes from money. There's mental health and well-being that comes from knowing you have a certain cushion or knowing you have this or don't need this. So it's it's absolutely a conversation every couple has to have. I highly recommend it. And just being honest about it. Say, listen, I'm afraid about this. I'm going to buy this house. It's a million bucks. In any currency, that's a lot of money, <laughs> right? Like it's a million dollars. That's a massive mortgage. So I'm nervous about that. Or I'm not nervous about that. I like it. I think it's going to be great. Here's what we're going to do. And just being really, really open and expressing those things. Uh, my wife called, my wife and I call it radical honesty. You just got to be like, just the facts. What's yeah. the balance? What's the number? What's going on? Okay, you bought a new iPad. Uh, we didn't discuss that. You know, got to put that in the budget. We sit there every month and we go through and we look at stuff. <laughs> and we're, we're both keeping each other accountable because I know what she's spending. I know what I'm spending. We both have, you know, play money or just you know we have a limit we're like if you go above x you got to call the other person yeah you can't yeah, yeah. book a play date with the kids and not talk to your wife you're like yeah 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 i told johnny it's gonna come over on saturday she's like no 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 you got stuck you gotta check in right you're not gonna do that we should do the same thing with money so we always have to uh, be on the same page and we should also have a little autonomy with money each person should have their own bank accounts that is theirs, that they can do whatever they want. You can have your Lego habit, just buy Lego. And if it comes out of that account, nobody can say anything. She has hers and she could spend it on whatever she wants and there's no way to ask you or question or anything. And then there's communal responses, the mortgage, the home, the cars, the insurance, like all of that stuff should be should be uh, in, in the main account that you two share. But then you're getting into who makes more, who makes less, who's contributing sometimes one partner is making significantly more than the other and right. you're pooling money in. and it's just like how are you i've seen i've seen it on both sides both men and women the partner making more of the money says the other person is not valuable the other, or the person's not contributing financially to the relationship and i'm like pause <laughs> we all fix this right now and we literally had well, there was this article on forgot the magazine I could send it to you after for the notes but it, it broke down the value of housework and just being a stay-at-home I parent. saw that same mom yeah I saw that it was a hundred and seventy five thousand dollars to be a stay-at-home parent yep is what it would cost someone to pay for all of the things that, that person's contributing to the relationship oh yeah you have multiple kids and you want a daycare like hundred percent oh, oh oh the daycare alone daycare is two grand a month like per child per child per child you want to have three kids oh yeah <laughs> that's six thousand dollars a month in daycare they haven't eaten or had a snack yet you're like what all right so you you've been you've inspired my last question and i'm horrible at last questions because they usually become like five part questions but this this will be a one part question but okay love and money well love and marriage sometimes equals children and i already told you my origin story of how i kind of came by money 
for you, if we're talking about honesty, and I love radical honesty, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use that, and I'll credit you every single time. Go for it. Uh, radical honesty with children about money. Yeah. What is that story? Because the last thing you said, which which I love, is that you know there's a difference between money and value. And if one person's making more than the other, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily bringing more value than the other. So how does that translate to what you tell your son, what I tell my daughters about just money and value and growing that in yourself as you grow? Oh, brilliant, brilliant last question. I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> this is how we, we shift this in the future is we got to shift it with our children. You got to be open with them. They got to see it. My son's got to understand the value of that $150 piece of Lego. He's, he's got he's to work for it, right? And, and we keep him in the midst of everything we're doing and talking about money. There's no privacy. We go to negotiate for, for a home we're thinking of buying, and he's sitting right there at the table, and he's watching mom and dad and the realtor, and the, like, he's right there. And we're like, do you like this house? And he's like, yes. He said, which one are we getting? And I said, do you like the backyard and the room? And he's checking it out. And he goes, how much is it? How much, how much, is the, how much money do we have? He's asking these questions, right? Yeah. And sit there. Oh, yeah, yeah. This kid's kid. Like, we are, I'm, I'm making it deliberate in teaching him to not be afraid to talk about money. That's great. To not have that, that little, you don't want to get tight around money because money's energy, right? You want to be able to move and he's got to learn. You're going to have to do some stuff to get that Lego. But that Lego is going to translate over to the house. We were telling him we're buying a home. He's like, well, why don't we buy one of these homes? I'm like, these homes are $3 million. <laughs> and mom and dad don't have three million dollars yet to buy that home and he was like he goes i'll help you i'll help i'll help you he said what i'm gonna do on his own unprompted the next day he sits down he goes you know what he said dad i'm gonna open a business he said i thought about it i like ice cream i'm gonna open an ice cream truck and i'm gonna get the money and then i'm gonna give it to you and we can move to that house and i was like wow what? it's like wow. i love it I was like, very good. I said, let's 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 do it. Let's sit down and build a plan and, and figure out how we're gonna how we gonna get this done. But I like that he is in the conversation. Yeah. He has a role in this. He can contribute. He's like, I'm saving money, or he wants the Lego. First thing he says, he said, I'll tell you what, Dad, he goes, stop thinking about the house. Let's just focus on the Lego. He said, You need to get me the Lego. Ignore the house. Stop saving for the home. <laughs> Buy this Lego. Just, just give me the Lego. We, That's we the do not need time. a house. We need some more Lego. That's. <laughs> I, I love it. So he is getting delayed gratification. He is getting, and he's six, right? So he's understanding consequences. We're like, he's like, do you have money? I said, yeah, we have money. He goes, why don't we buy it? I said, because my parents told me when I was a kid, we can't buy that. We don't have enough money. And I don't want him to believe that he doesn't have enough money. I want him to believe that there's enough and we're choosing not to buy it. Yeah, yeah. I'm delaying my gratification. So I'm like, yeah, well, we could buy I, all this time. Oh, we got money. We can buy it. I'm not buying it. And here's why. And we get into the discussion about it. So he knows that if I stop wanting the house, he can get his Lego. Yeah. He's understanding trade-offs. He's understanding these things. So with young people, you want to engage them in these conversations. That is age appropriate. And you want to, you want them to, to not be afraid of it. You got to talk to them about it. You got to show them stuff. This is how much this costs. Yeah. Go play Monopoly. Go play Life. Go play 
you know, all of these things, rich dad, poor dad, like get into these things and start playing the game. And, and uh, getting into the brand. You'll have fun. You'll learn. You'll learn. I love it. I love it. Ricardo, thank you so much. Always awesome chatting with you, man. It's great chatting with you, Mike. This is the best. I love talking with Mike. I get a little pumped to start to go on a little bit, but it is. Uh, thank you for giving me an opportunity to share about this. It is truly a passion of mine. and I love helping people demystify money and grow their wealth. It is easier than you think. I promise you. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. I learned a lot from the conversation. So I, uh, I really appreciate that. Thank you again. And thanks to everybody for checking this out. Uh, we've gotten some great feedback, great ideas. It's resulted in some very interesting connections between brand and a whole bunch of subjects. Love, money, fear, all this sort of stuff. Very, very human emotions that come into play with love, money, and brand. So Thank you again for tuning in and keep checking out The Naked Brand.